Welcome back, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Devil Came Knocking. On next week's episode, we have the interview with Crystal Sturgill that I promised, and I'm going to post the whole conversation unedited as I want you to hear everything she had to say. Before we get into the interview, I have a few special announcements. Next week, we will jump back into the story, and we will cover the manhunt and the arrest of the six at the Mexico and Arizona border. In the weeks after that, I will have the life story of Karen Howe and Dean Mullins, and I will also have phone interviews with both as well. Karen has also agreed to provide a statement on the occult rumors in the case, and Dean's family has agreed to speak to us to tell us how the crimes affected their family. We often think of the victims and the people convicted of the crimes. We very rarely hear what the guilty parties' families went through. I have also reached out to the other three involved in the case, and as soon as I hear back from them, I will provide an update. The last thing I wanted to do was thank each and every one of you that have supported the podcast or any of the social media sites. Anyone here from TikTok, a special thanks to you guys. I never expected it to take off this fast, and it really does mean the world to me. I also wanted to say a special thank you to Connie Weaver. She is one of the listeners to the podcast, and I don't believe I've ever mentioned it, but you can support the podcast by going to Spotify and clicking the support link in the page. Uh, You can make a one, five, or ten dollar a month donation to help support what we are doing here on the podcast. And Connie reached out to me this week wanting to support the show and became my very first supporter. So Connie, I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate it. I think that covers all the announcements for this week. So let's jump into my interview with Crystal. This is a recorded phone conversation, and this is Crystal You Will Hear Talking. All right, Crystal, I want to thank you for calling me tonight and uh, giving us the chance to have this conversation. Uh, There's a lot of questions out there uh, that the listeners had, and I just wanted to go over some of these with you now. Okay. Um, First of all, can you tell us a little bit about your life now? Um, What have you done since the arrests? And um, tell us a little bit about the degrees you obtained and the job that you work now. the degree, um, the associate's degree that you obtained from Lisk, what was it in? 
Yeah, the associates was in liberal arts. Okay. And the bachelor's was in organizational planning and leadership. Okay, awesome. Um, and now um, the biggest question that I keep getting in response to your uh, episode that we done last week was centered around your mom and your family. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the emotions that you felt after your mom helped bail your abuser out of jail and kind of explain why you think she did this? Yeah, so uh, emotionally I felt completely, I felt destroyed. I felt like, you know, everything and everyone that was supposed to love me did not. And in all honesty, I was, frankly, I was suicidal. Um, I thought a lot about killing myself. Uh, As far as why she did it, you know, I really don't have answers for that. I try to see things from her perspective and the fact that she had two other children by this person and you know, she maybe she just felt like she couldn't believe that that was happening. And, you know, I really don't have a why for it, unfortunately. You know, and that's the hardest question to answer about anything is why. Um, since then, though, uh, we have been able to repair our relationship. Um, and, you know, my abuser did plead guilty to what he had done to me, and he went to prison for that. Okay, and... um how long was he sentenced to prison for? I believe he was in prison for nine years. Okay. Um, and um, between the time you left your mother's house and ending up at Natasha's, how long was that time frame? I left my mother's house on December the 10th was when the state took me. And, of course, what happened at Natasha's, I showed up there on April the 4th. Okay. And um, someone counted uh, between those t- that time period, between the Natasha's and your mom's, you lived at 13 different residencies. Um, and you stated in your um, thing that you sent to me last week that you were kind of just jumping from couch to couch. Is this correct? Yeah, and that's right. You know, I just stayed with friends until their parents were like, hey, you got to go somewhere else. Hey, and um, once you were at Natasha's, um, it was the very next night that you guys ended up at the Collie Motel, correct? It was. Oh, no, I'm sorry. On the night of the 4th is when we went to the Collie Motel. Okay. The night of the 5th, we went to 40 Acre Field. And 40-acre field is um, the party that they reference a lot in between the Collie Motel and you guys leaving, correct? It is. Okay. Um, and that was the party, I believe, that Berkeley Bell states that you called a friend of yours and said that Natasha was going to kill somebody. And you state that you, yeah. were, t- you state that you were talking about somebody at that party. Yeah, I absolutely was. I called Crystal Turner. She was a friend that I went to school with. And I actually was like, hey, I don't know what's going on. And I was just talking about killing this guy. And she was talking about a guy named Brandon that she said had beaten up her friend. Um, had nothing to do at all with what happened. Um, and, you know, in fact, Crystal Turner is now Crystal Hinkle and is actually in contact with me. 
and could tell you as much herself. She, one of her biggest regrets is that when I said, hey, can me and Dean come stay with you tonight? She said no. Right. Um, it's, it's definitely a hard situation. I, I can't imagine what she would feel like because it's, you know, it seems like that directly led to kind of the situation you and Dean ended up in. Um, but that night, at, once you guys made it from the rest area to Payne Hollow, can you tell me exactly what you seen and when you exited the little Chevrolet? Yeah, so, um, you know, we pulled off onto Payne Hollow. The car, the van stopped. We stopped, uh, you know, behind them, maybe 20 feet or so behind them. Um, Joe came back to the car. I was asking Dean what was going on, and he kept saying, I don't know, nothing. Um, Joe came back to the car and told us that they had seen us and were going to call the police, so they were going to die. At that point, I was really really scared I was freaking out I started crying um Joe walked away from the car I saw the family standing there beside the beside the road um I saw Jason with one of the guns I think the smaller of the two he lifted it and started firing um after that I had my hands over my eyes and Dean pushed my head down and I didn't see anything else until the firing stopped and Jason was slapping Dean on the arm and telling him to slide over and Dean was panicking and freaking out too. Um, he slid into the middle of the car and Jason got in and drove the car up the road a little bit. Everybody else was back in the van um, and it was in front of us. Jason was trying to turn the car and he couldn't get it to turn. He ran over a tree stump and it stuck up under, under the bumper and uh, he couldn't get all the stuff. So he got back out of the car, went to the van, and then ran back down the road. Um, Dean and I got out of the car. Joe was screaming at us to get all of our stuff. Um, I tried to grab what I thought I was supposed to. I didn't really know what to do. Um, I saw Joe rip the license plate off the back of the car with his hands and they told me to get in the van. I don't even know who told me to get in the van, but I did, but there were more gunshots going off down the road. You know, there's a little curve there right up above that, mm-hmm. and we were up above the curve when that happened. Okay. <clears throat> um, my biggest question, and the biggest question that I'm getting from a lot of the people that um, are a little harsher on you and Dean Um, than I think they should be is in the middle of the night when you guys stopped at the Waffle House after leaving the scene um, there were police in the Waffle House is this correct? Yeah there absolutely were Okay um, why at that point did you guys not report what had happened to those policemen? To be honest in hindsight I could easily say I should have and I know that I should have. I was so scared though, James, that I really don't, I don't have words to explain how scary that really was. And I was in shock. I can definitely and understand that. I was just going that. through the motions. At that point, you know, besides that, two of my co-defendants were still carrying guns. You know, 
there would have been absolutely nothing in my mind if I had said, hey, I need help. There was nothing in my mind that would have kept them from pulling those guns out and killing everybody in the Waffle House. Right. Given what had just happened, that was more than a possibility. In my mind, that was a likelihood. And who are the two still carrying the guns at this point? Jason and Joe. Jason and Joe, okay. And one of our listeners to the podcast, Vicki Watts, um, she reached out to me this week and she wanted to know if you still had any contact with any of the others that were involved in the case. Well, Karen is, of course, here with me. And uh, so, of course, I see her. And I am still in contact with Dean. Dean was one of my very best friends and he probably always will be. Okay. And then another one of our listeners, Connie Weaver, um, she wanted to know a little bit more about the relationship you have with your family today, which I think you've kind of touched on already. But she also wanted to know if you were to get released, um, where would you go? Would you go to one of your family members' houses or um, would you try to go out on your own and get your own place or what would you do? Yeah, well, I mean, for a start, I would probably start with one of my family members. I mean, remember now it's been 25 years since I've been in the world, and it's a different place than what I knew when I left. And so I feel like I would probably meet that to be able to get on my feet, you know, just to adjust. But I definitely would, of course, want my own place, you know. I mean, I'm almost 43 years old now. Yeah. So I would certainly want to be out on my own. Okay. And then um, one of our other... Uh, friends of the podcast, Douglas Cavanaugh. Um, he's our granola eating friend from California. He wanted to ask about the supposed trophies that Berkeley Bell claims you had during the arrest. Yeah, that's absolutely a fabrication. Um, when I was arrested, there was a keychain with a key on it to the van. At some point, when we got out of the van, and it may have even been at the Waffle House, I'm not sure when we stopped, it was a stop for a bathroom break. Joe gave me the keychain and said, put this in your pocket in case I lock the door. It was in my pocket. It had been in my pocket for two days when we got arrested. In fact, when they searched me, they said, do you have anything? And I said, I have nothing. And they were like, what's in your pocket when they patted me down? Okay. And then... I forgot it was there. Uh, another big question I, I'm getting from a lot of listeners on the li- online um, was about the satanic cult rumors that swirled around the trial. Um, were you ever a member of a satanic cult, and did you ever dabble in any occult practices or Wiccan religions or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely not. Nothing could be further from the truth. Okay. I attended the First Baptist Church before I got arrested. Okay, and that was the First Baptist Church in Pikeville? No, that was in Prestonburg. In Pikeville, I went to Victory Baptist Church. Okay. And that night at the scene, um, how many shooters were there? Only Jason. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners today or that you would like to get out there while you have this opportunity to speak to everybody? Yeah, just that I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that I didn't do more that day. 
And uh, one of our other listeners wanted to know if you were still in contact with Peter or had been in any contact with Peter um, since the crimes had happened. I haven't directly been in contact with him, though I do uh, have spoken with someone who lives there who's been in contact with his family, Sophie Ackerod. And uh, she, of course, has let them know that if there's anything that I can do that I don't mind answering any questions that I'm able to answer and that I'm very sorry. Um, And then uh, one last thing from one of our listeners, Tina Howe. Um, it's Karen's first cousin. Uh, wanted me to let you and Karen both know that she is praying for you guys. Thanks. We definitely appreciate that. Well, Crystal, I thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, this is all the questions I had and all the questions that the listeners had. Uh, so I really just thank you for taking the time to speak with us, and I hope this cleared anything up for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's anything else that I can do or any other questions that I can answer, please don't hesitate to let me know. All right. Thank you very much. That concludes this week's episode of The Devil Came Knocking. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Crystal, and I hope it changed your perspective on the case a little bit. No one is saying that anyone in this group was completely innocent. They all had culpabilities in the crimes. However, not all six are murderers, and not all six should spend the rest of their lives in prisons for what happened that day. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and reactions, and you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. I try to stay as active as I can on all four sites, and I try to respond to anybody that reaches out. I may go live on TikTok or do a spaces on Twitter to discuss the case further and to discuss Crystal further if that's something you guys are interested in. Just reach out to me and let me know. Thank you for listening and I look forward to coming back and speaking to you again next week.